The Dan Bongino Show. Get ready to hear the truth about America with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm cool. What's shaking with you, man? Yeah, you know, I'm watching cable news. Mm. It's, uh, you know, congrats to Sean Hannity, by the way, having the most yeah. watched show on all of uh, all of the, really? the broadcast and uh, cable, network television and cable. So uh, congrats to him. But watching the foreign policy swamp oh. establishmentarian uh. intelligentsia just you know take it to trump over the last uh, day and a half over meeting with the north koreans is is sad uh, it really is folks it's sad i get it i'm a realist on this is anything going to come out of this north korean deal i'm not sure i mean i'm not going to re, re you know rehash yesterday's show entirely you know my point of view on it is yeah. what's your option Nuclear war is that? That's about. Oh, okay. That's just you go to war as if it's like a decision to buy a box of chiclets in the Seven Eleven. Um, but watching the foreign policy establishmentarians, whether from the Bush administration, whether people like Nicole Wallace on MSNBC, whose only claim to fame is getting routed in a presidential election as a campaign advisor, a complete zero um, on MSNBC, and all these other people just attack Trump when they are Joe. What, what, I don't understand like what they're basing on. Sean Davis at the Federalist has a a short thread on Twitter where he's absolutely right. It's almost it, it, tragic sad, listening to these idiots who've been responsible for uh, some of the failures in yeah. Iraq, yeah, some sad. of the failures in overseas policy with North Korea from the Clinton administration on, some of the fa- failures in Libya. To hear them go out there and talk as if they're in any way authoritative, it's. You know, I heard Joe Concha on Tucker Carlson's show last night, who I like a lot, say something like it's like uh, asking Jack Kevorkian for advice on like a a life-saving drug or something, (laughs) you know, the suicide doctor. I mean, asking these idiots who have been responsible for some of the biggest foreign policy calamities in modern American history for advice on foreign policy is a joke. And I only bring that up, folks, because this is indicative of what we see in government. Yeah, we see, Joe, a general acceptance of failure yep. as the norm. And I know I got to get into this, but but I, I just have to get this out there. You only see this in government yeah. where success is measured by degrees of failure, not degrees of success. <laughs> right. Yeah. In other words, Joe, you're a CEO of Joe Armacost Inc. And you make high end computers. That's right. Dan. You're measured by the stock price, by productivity gains, employee satisfaction. I'm a captain of industry, Dan. Captain of industry. Sales numbers, yes. beating sales numbers. That's how Joe in the free market is measured. Yes. Success, numbers, growth. In government, you're measured by who failed the least. Like, well, Clinton <laughs> blew it on North Korea. Yeah. Uh, Hillary and Obama blew it in Benghazi and Libya. Yeah. You know, the Bush administration made some missteps in Iraq. I mean, well, who screwed up the least? Oh, okay, let's get him on the news. Oh, man. Max Boot, again, that uh, Max Boot, who I, I don't know what his problem Max Boot has lost his mind. Why people take this guy seriously, I can't understand. On cable news, again, losing his mind, infected with deep tissue level Trump derangement syndrome. <laughs> who cares what Max Boot has to say? These guys have been wrong on everything. Everything. Now, listen, just one more point on this. I'm not suggesting these aren't smart people. I'm not saying they have common sense. That's a different thing. (laughs) 
But no, I'm serious when I tell you, Joe, I'm not suggesting they're not smart. I hear a you. lot of them have done a lot of regional homework. Mm-hmm. Power transfers, government, governing systems. They've done mm-hmm. homework on the culture, on the history of the place. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't need to be anti-academic, and that's not what I'm suggesting. Quite learned. I'm simply suggesting, Joe, that you know a lot about the podcast production business. Yeah. But fair question, Joe. All right. If I then asked you to put up your own money, $10,000, mm-hmm. to invest in a portfolio of stocks that invest in podcasting, I'm simply suggesting, yeah, you'd give me the middle finger like you're doing now because right. you, you you don't, don't you know. don't know that. Don't he doesn't know. know the people doing the show. Joe, matter of fact, Joe and I were just talking before the show about podcasting. Ironically, I didn't even intend to do this. Oh, is the content good? Are they hard workers? How's their production? Is there sound? Joe doesn't know. Is their sound quality good? You've never met them. But what do you mean, Joe? You're an expert. He is an expert. Joe does Adobe Audition. He knows how to load to Omni, how to load to Libsyn, how to load to iTunes. He knows all the mechanics of tagging, uh, show notes, all this stuff. He's pretty much an expert in podcasts. He's dealt with several platforms here. Mm. He's even involved in our new negotiations Mm -hmm. to expand the show and other things. But Joe is humble and saying, well, that doesn't mean I know about the other guy's podcast. Mm -mm. So uh, simply stated, folks, this is the shortcoming of government. They think because they've done homework on North Korean governing systems, Kim Jong-il's and Kim Jong-un and Kim Il-sung's diet, um, you know, who they were friends with. They they think somehow that gives them some special insight into the head of Kim Jong-un. And all of a sudden we listen to them or we listen to no one. Personally, I'd rather have Trump sitting at the table, a guy who's actually negotiated significant deals, who's got to read for people and a BS antenna. I'd rather have his opinion than Max Boots. I'm sorry. It's not anti-academic. I'm not saying that information can't be valuable in some respects. But it uh, clearly, Joe, based on the evidence of your past failures, yeah. has given you no special insight into the foreign pol- preferred foreign policy route we should take. I'm sorry. You're just wrong. This is only in government is this accepted. You suck. Well, who sucked less? Well, this guy sucked less than that guy. So let's have him on on MSNBC to critique Trump. Like that grip. Guess nice job. It's the level of suck. It's not the level of excellence. That's the difference between the free market and government. You're measured by the least level of suck. Unreal, man. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. <laughs> you like that? You know, I'm a big fan of iTarget because if you're going to own a firearm, you have a responsibility, obviously, to handle it safely, but to handle it proficiently as well. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario where you have to engage. None of us wants to be involved in that, but you want to be able to hit what you're firing at if, again, God forbid you're involved in that kind of scenario. Police officers. Law enforcement in general, military folks, first-time gun owners just want to learn how to operate that firearm proficiently. You got a husband, you got a wife, first time picking up a firearm, you have to teach them how to use it. Now, one way is to go to the range, and I highly recommend it, but the range is tough. Uh, getting there, you have to get to a range, you have to find a range, you have to buy the ammunition, you have to clean your guns afterwards. Uh, also, you, you know, you have to pay for the ammunition, which can get a little bit expensive. I said that twice, but getting to the range can create some problems for you. So this, uh, the iTarget Pro system is one of the best ways to practice your proficiency with the firearm from the safety and security of your own home. Here's how it works. This is a really simple system. People love this. The reviews on it are spectacular. They will send you a laser round. 
You will insert that laser round in a safely unloaded weapon. Check it. Check it twice. Check it three times. Look. Make sure it's unloaded. Look away. Look back at the firearm again. Gives you kind of a different picture. Make sure you're not missing something. That's what they teach you at the range. Look. Look away. Look again. Right. You load that uh, that laser round into the chamber of the of the safely unloaded firearm. And when you depress the trigger in dry firing, you'll dry fire because it's not a live round. But it will emit a laser, and that laser will let you see. Uh, exactly what the target would have looked like because it uh, emulates a round coming out of the firearm, right? <laughs> so whereas when you dry fire normally, you know, you don't know. You have no idea where any of these rounds, uh, what, what they would have looked like on the sight picture because there's no, it's it's empty. This will let you uh, see that sight picture clearly, see where those rounds would have gone. So the iTarget Pro system, the website is itargetpro.com itargetpro.com promo code dan for 10 percent off i highly highly recommend this product go check it out remember competitive shooters in other words people who do this for a living their whole livelihood is being accurate with their firearm they are competitive shooters dry fire 10 times more than they live fire the website is itargetpro.com that's itargetpro.com they'll send you that laser round and the target it's like a video game with your firearm it teaches you how to use your firearm more proficiently itargetpro.com promo code dan okay um so we covered that foreign policy thing. I just wanted to get to that. Major news yesterday uh, in the in the Mueller probe and and in the Rosenstein debacle. Rod Rosenstein, uh, of course, is the deputy attorney general. But for all intents and purposes right now, he is the attorney general when it comes to the Russia probe because Jeff Sessions mistakenly, I believe, recused himself. Mm-hmm. Man, I heard a story yesterday. I'm having a hard time digesting. And if it's true, Rod Rosenstein needs to step down immediately. He needs to step down yesterday. Matter of fact, the day before yesterday. Apparently, Rod Rosenstein, again, the deputy AG, but who is now in charge of the all things Russia because Jeff Sessions uh, recused himself from it, met with members of oversight, congressional oversight. Their job, Joe, Congress's job is to oversee the Justice Department and to make sure things are being done by the book, by the numbers. Yep. Rosenstein apparently had a meltdown about the threat to Rosenstein uh, of being charged with contempt because they are not producing records. Now, just to be clear on this, that's Congress's job is to oversee the Justice Department to make sure they're abiding by the laws, policies and procedures. The, The Justice Department and the FBI folks, for as much respect as I have for the members on the ground of the FBI, the FBI is not an independent operating agency. The FBI is an as uh is is in the it falls under the executive office of the presidency and they are responsible to be uh to, for uh, you know to have oversight like everyone else no one operates independent of the rest of the branches of the federal government there's a checks and balances system both vertically and horizontally they are not an independent agency anybody who tells you that oh, the FBI is an independent agency has no idea what they're talking about congress has the right to oversee them and their activities well rosenstein has, uh, to say the least, has not been forthcoming with documents demanded by Congress. And Congress is now saying, we're going to we're going to cite you for contempt if you don't produce this stuff. Mm -hmm. So apparently Rosenstein shows up. This guy is unbelievable. The cojones on this guy. He shows up to Congress and starts threatening them with a subpoena himself. Now, Rosenstein, get out, get out. Get this guy out. Somebody needs to impeach this. If that story is true, Joe, that he walked into a congressional oversight committee and started threatening them for doing their jobs, conducting oversight of his activity. That's their job to do that. If that story is, in fact, true, 
Rosenstein needs to be impeached and thrown out of that job on his butt yesterday. That is a disgrace. And I have to tell you, I'm folks, you know, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know I've been more than fair to Sessions. More than fair. Joe's giving me that at the expense, believe me, of my own time. I get a lot of emails on this. People are not happy. And I get it. I am you're my audience. I you are you're right in a lot of respects on this. There have been but sessions last night on Tucker Carlson show on Fox defending Rosenstein. You saw this, Joe, is just I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Mr. Sessions, with all due respect, if anyone on your staff is listening, and I think they do. I have been there for you based on some information I think I have that's pretty reliable that I know things are going on behind the scenes. I realize there's some work being done. I've given you and the Justice Department in where it's where it's warranted the benefit of the doubt at the expense. I'm talking to Sessions. I'm sorry, folks. You're going to you're listening in on a conversation, right? (laughs) But it's important. We've been more than fair. This is the second biggest conservative podcast in the country. We're not. Thanks to my great listeners. It's not a small audience. Okay. The whole take it east line was for you to give you some time. But my gosh, what were you thinking last night? If Rosenstein walked in there, your deputy attorney general, and threatened members of Congress with his own subpoena as a vindictive act rather than an appropriate procedural maneuver? Oh my gosh, what 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 are we what, is this the, the we're living in a police state now? Where the where the head of the, the Justice Department walks into Congress and starts threatening elected members of Congress to subpoena their stuff? Mr. Sessions, I'm I'm really sorry, but that's... No. 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 You going on Tucker last night and defending what was potentially an act of of grotesque malfeasance. No. You need to take charge of that. And if you if someone who works in your department actually did that, you need to take a public stand on this. He needs to be replaced in Congress. Congress. I'm, listen, I, I I get it. Part of your job is to be castrated. I get it. Like, that's what you do. You lose your your your, your guts. You lose your nerve. Your spine is removed when you get up on Capitol Hill. And most of not all, but most of you typically become um, nothing but swamp spineless swamp creatures, amoeba like structures. Right. But you're going to let, and I'm not saying this is like when he's manly, you're going to remember in the street, you're going to let him do that to you, Tony. Yeah. How am I gonna let him? I'm not, I'm not really, I don't mean yeah. it this way, but I mean it more in a constitutional way. You're going to let the deputy attorney, he's not even the attorney general. You're going to let Rod Rosenstein walk in there and threaten you. Are you guys serious? And ladies, are you kidding me? If that story's true, Rod Rosenstein should get be dragged in in front of a committee tomorrow and they should start taking votes to impeach this guy. Are you serious? Is this a joke? What is Rod Rosenstein running? He's running some independent operation, independent of any oversight, Joe. Yeah. Unbelievable. What a joke. All right, I've got more on this because there's some other astonishing news about Mueller. Um, let me just get through this quick because I'd like to get on a bit of a roll here because this is important stuff. Right. The Mueller probe is just entirely out of control. Procedures and norms have been thrown out the window. Lawyer, client privilege, everything. Now we have actual due process being thrown out the window too. All right, I'll get to that in a second. Today's show brought to you by buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition too. You know, big fan of Brickhouse Nutrition. They've been with me from the beginning. I use their products. I love their products. Uh, Miles, if you're listening, 
You got to send me some more Field of Greens. I love Field of Greens. What is Field of Greens? I'm running out because my kids take it now, too. <laughs> Miles, I need more. The product was so popular that they, in, in the initial stages of its launch, Joe, they had a tough time keeping it in stock, as you well know. I was like, send Joe some. He's like, Dan, we're selling this stuff like crazy. Why? Because everybody knows fruits and vegetables are the key to a long, healthy life. Cognitive abilities. Keep your brain in shape. Keep your body in good shape, right? You need to eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. The evidence is overwhelming. So my question to you is, why aren't you doing it? Why? Do you not want to be healthy? No, I'm serious. Like, why would you not do it? Now you have no excuse. You may say, all right, I don't have the time. Fair enough. Many of you have busy lives like Joe. Joe has 52 different jobs. But Joe has no excuse. Right, Joe? You have no excuse now. Why? Because uh, Field of Greens. Why? Because you can just... <laughs> why? Because you can throw Field of Greens in water, in juice, in whatever. Green tea, like I put it in there. You throw a scoop in there. It is ground up fruits and vegetables. It is whole food. It's not extract. It's not crap. This is the real deal. The real deal. Raspberries, blueberries, kale, all these life-enhancing micronutrients and these and, and the fruits and vegetables. You need this stuff. Go out and pick it up today, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Go pick up Field of Greens today. You're going to love it. Just, to, you know, take a little, quick little note, mental note, how you feel before you start on it. Give it a couple of weeks. Take a note how you feel afterwards. This is great stuff. It is real food, real ground up food. It tastes delicious. I love it. It's got a nice fruity taste to it. Field of Greens, BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Okay. Um, I'd like you to, um, humble request for you to go to the show notes today, if you don't mind. I know I ask every day, but it's easier to follow along with the show if you read the articles afterwards. I take about five or six articles I think are some of the best on the internet. I put them at the show notes at Bongino.com under the show notes tab. Or if you subscribe to my email list, I will email them to you. And there's one today from Law and Crime, which is not a right-leaning blog, but it's a blog on legal issues of the day. Believe me, it's not a conservative-leaning entity at all. There is a fascinating article. It's short, very readable. It's not overly legalese. And it talks about the recent actions by Bob Mueller, which blow legal norms out the window again. What's going on? Well, first, Joe, we had, of course, the raid on Trump's lawyer's office, which is, uh, it's not unprecedented. I You know, I don't like, that's the most overused word in the English language next to unique, which is ironic. It's there are there are understood norms. The attorney client privilege, especially the attorney for the president of the United States, you had better have set a really high bar. I mean, if Michael Cohen and I don't know, I don't have to be fair. Michael Cohen was the president's lawyer. I am not privy to the information. If Michael Cohen is is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of very serious felonies, then, folks, maybe we'll look back on it and say, all right, I don't really agree with this witch hunt, but I can't defend that kind of activity. But that activity, Joe, better be darn serious if you're going to start breaking attorney-client privilege, especially for the president's lawyer. The Mueller probe has been out of control for the longest time. It is it is a witch hunt, in my opinion. It was founded on a myth. It was founded on a fallacy, a fairy tale of Russian collusion. It has no basis in real-world fact. And there's nothing the Mueller probe is doing that the Department of Justice couldn't have done by itself. They did not need a special counsel to do what normal AUSAs, Assistant United States Attorney, and the United States attorneys could have done themselves. Law and crime covers a new breach of protocol procedure. In this case, constitutional due process. What happened? Well, Joe, I don't know if you remember this, but a while ago, um, was it about two months ago? I'm losing track of time in this case. 
three months ago, maybe the Mueller team indicted these Russian companies on a multiple count indictment of attempting to use social media and other things to influence the American election. About three and months remember, ago. Yeah. yeah, right. About two, three months ago. Remember the media lost their minds, Joe? Yeah. Oh, this is it. Mueller's closing in. I always laugh. Joe and I think it's funny because the media, every every 10 minutes, this is it, Joe. They're closing in. They're clo- If you Google Mueller's closing in, do it. It's, it's a joke, but it's real. Google Mueller's closing in. Mueller is closing in. You will see probably five, six hundred articles written by people who every single time Mueller does something, they say he's closing in. But mysteriously, Trump is never any information that comes out of it. So he indicts these Russians and for the use of Facebook, apparently, and the use of to, to influence the election, you know, which was ironic, because if you read count 53, as I've said repeatedly in Mueller's indictment, of these Russian companies, count 53 is clear as day that these Russian companies, Joe, were not only buying ads and trying to organize rallies for Trump. They were also organizing rallies against Trump and for Hillary, which yep. proves the point we've been making from episode 628, number 628 on when we started covering the Russia probe, that the Russians goal was to sow chaos, not to have Trump win. And they won. The Russians won that fight because the Democrats have fed right into this narrative by furthering the chaos in an effort to damage Trump, which is the greatest irony of all and the saddest. The indictment. So are we clear on this? Because I want to explain to you what happened next. I'm going to show you why the Mueller probe is in a world of trouble. But you have to be clear on where we stand. This Mueller a few months back indicts these companies, these Russian companies for buying Facebook ads, trying to organize rallies, both for Trump and against Trump. And the allegation is that they did this in, in some kind of conspiracy to, excuse me, to in some kind of conspiracy to influence the election in the United States. Now, the influence operation was on both sides. Well, what happened? Again, the media lost their minds because they didn't read the indictment. Look at this. Look, the Russians, they were trying to help Trump. What about Count 53 when they were trying to help Hillary? Oh, ignore that. Let's not pay any attention to that. Right. But what happened was there's a number of folks out there with some expertise in these matters, legal matters, who I've done a lot of homework on. And they suggested um, to me and to others that the Mueller did this, Joe, in an effort to try to advance this Russian collusion narrative, knowing the entire time that what was going to happen, these Russian companies would never show up in court. Yeah. Now, unlike when you indict an individual, when you invite these companies, they can have legal representation show up for an initial appearance. They don't have to have the actual person. In other words, if Joe Armacost works for, you know, J.A.B. Inc. and I indict J.A.B. Inc., they can have the lawyer show up. If I indict Joe, Joe has to show up for the initial appearance. Mm -hmm. What happened, folks? Lawyers for these companies actually showed up. I'm getting this from very reliable people. That Mueller's whole thing was to feed the media narrative to selectively launch this. Look, we got these Russian companies knowing they would never show up, these Russian companies for court. There would be some, you know, warrant issued or whatever it may be. And that would be the end of it. And everybody would ride off into the sunset. Mueller, Joe, Mueller's closing in. He's closing in, buddy. Well, what happened? And listen, I'm not, don't mistake this for cheerleading at all. Again, if these Russian companies are actually guilty, I mean, I actually believe in justice, unlike Mueller and these other folks. If they're actually guilty of trying to break the law and influence our elections, then they should go to jail like anyone else. Right. 
But, Joe, unlike some other phonies out there, I actually believe in due process, and I don't believe the Mueller star chamber, everything they say is true until it's proven in court. Crazy, Joe, how that happens. And you being Russian does not influence my decision at all. You could be Russian, Canadian, Bulgarian, or Colombian. If you're tried in the U.S. court system, you should actually be guilty. Joe, I know that sounds nuts to the liberal police staters out there. Yes, it does, Dan. It does, because they don't believe in justice anymore. They believe in police state tyranny. Yes, well, what does. happened? Mueller's got the, the, the lawyers showed up. The lawyer said, ah, now nah, we're going to go to trial. Uh, Mueller's <laughs> team's like, wait, what? What do you, what do you mean you're going to go to trial? Now, folks, again, I believe this is where we provide some Inside baseball analysis, I know producer Joe appreciates. Mm-hmm. Having been a federal agent and been through federal trials myself, I, we, I, actually, I actually was a federal agent on a case I was handed that we lost one time. And believe me, it's horrifying. It wasn't my case. The guy left the office. Long story. But during a trial, folks, for those of you who don't have any kind of legal experience at all and totally understandable, you actually have to produce the evidence for the defense attorney. Why? So they can defend themselves. You're not allowed to hide your case, right? You have to produce the evidence. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, the defense team, the lawyers, Joe, for these Russian companies actually show up. And they're like, no, we're going to go to trial. By the way, we'd like to see the evidence. Mueller's team is first. First Mueller's, this is a a few weeks ago, Mueller's team tried to delay it, delay the trial. No, we want to put this off, Joe. The judge said, nah, no thanks. Speedy trial act. There's a speedy trial act. In other words, the government cannot, say, arrest Joe Armacost for felonious mm-hmm. mopery and then delay the trial for 15 years. Why? Because Joe's life would be wrecked for 15 years. So does it, you have, you're entitled to a speedy trial by law. Right. So the Russian lawyers, please follow me, folks. It's super important, and it dictates almost in pure form how corrupted this Mueller operation has become. They're throwing all these norms out the window. The Mueller probe goes to court and goes, no, no, we want to delay the trial. Now, why would you delay the trial? You just indicted these Russians. I thought you had them hook, line, and sinker. The Russian lawyers, uh, the lawyers show up and go, no, no, we want to go to trial. Thank you. Have a nice day. Lawyer goes, hey, listen, Bob, you you chose, right, Joe, to put them through the justice system. The justice system in a constitutional republic has rules. (laughs) Shocking to Mueller, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> who was who seems to not understand that guy's a lawyer himself, right? <laughs> Mueller's confused that the justice system apparently has rules. They say we want to go to trial. We want to see the evidence. The delay doesn't work. Now the Mueller team's like, no, we don't want to show them the evidence either. Oh, now if you read the piece I've been referencing on, on Law and Crime, the blog, by the way, not a right leaning outlet at all. The lawyer who writes the piece is like, hey. Mueller's on very tenuous ground here, Joe. These are constitutional norms and practices. Once you put somebody, Mueller, you chose to indict him. Right. If you weren't ready to show your butt and to show the evidence to the bad guys, like anyone else in the justice system, Russian, Colombian, Canadian, or Martian, you chose to put him in the justice system. And in a constitutional republic, we have rules. Uh, liberals, I know this doesn't matter to you. I know the police state uh, you know, crowd out there that wants everybody thrown into the star chamber, locked up, tortured, and killed because they support Donald Trump. I know this doesn't matter to you. I'm not talking to you imbeciles. I'm talking to normal people. That does not include you. 
And I know I get an email, please don't call them imbeciles. You may not convert them. I don't care. I'm not trying to convert communists. No. I'm sorry, folks. I'm angry. You should be too. Mueller's raiding the offices of lawyers. He's trying to delay trials indefinitely. He brings a, 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 these Russians into the justice. He did this into the United States, and now he's not ready to go to trial. And when these Russian lawyers say, okay, we're ready to go to trial, we'd like to actually defend ourselves, Mueller goes, no, we don't want to give you the evidence. The judge is like, wait, what? So the judge in the case, Joe, just this week said, no, you're going to have to produce the evidence, dude. This is the United States. Yeah. This isn't the North Korean justice system. You're entitled to a defense. Is this shocking to liberals? Are you hearing this for the first time? Joe, I'm not messing around. Liberals, are, are you hearing this for the first time? That when you're prosecuted by the government in the U.S. system, they were not tried in The Hague. They were not tried in any international court. Bob Mueller decided himself to use the U.S. justice system, which thank God, and that is not using the Lord's name in vain. I literally mean thank God. Thank you, God, for giving us this wonderful country where if the government prosecutes you, you actually get to defend yourself, even if you're a Russian. This is shocking to some liberals. Now, having said that, Joe, Bob Mueller could have referred this back to a counterintelligence investigation. Yeah. Where there, the counter is not a criminal investigation and there would be different policies and procedures. Exactly. Yeah. But Bob Mueller, Joe, decided to bring this case into the criminal justice system where if you are going to be prosecuted, you are darn well entitled to see the evidence the government has against you. Because we don't throw people in jail, beat them, kill them, and prosecute them and go, oh, by the way, you can't see anything we're doing. And Mueller's team amazingly fought this. No, no, we don't want to show them the evidence. Because we may give up uh, information that would assist other Russians still trying to influence our elections. So put it back in the counterintelligence system. And get it out of the courts. You did this. What is wrong? Is Bob Mueller this dumb? Is this guy this stupid? No, I'm serious. Oh, gosh, you can't sell Bob Mueller. Don't care. Don't care at all. Bob Mueller's probably going to interview me next. Bob <laughs> Mueller, he doesn't have any, he doesn't need anything. But Dan, what'd you do wrong? Nothing, but it doesn't matter. Bob Mueller interviews everyone, anyone he wants. He's the most powerful person. In, he is Thanos from the Infinity War series. He, Bob Mueller's found seven Infinity Stones, not just five. Yeah. Bob Mueller has found the judicial infinity stone where he invents his own rules. We go to trial. There's no speedy trial. I'll try you whenever I feel like it. Bob Mueller, we're going to prosecute you in criminal court. So I get to see the evidence, you know, due process. Nah, nah, you don't. We're good. We're good, man. Bob Mueller, do I get a lawyer? Is there attorney client privilege? Nah, nah, not. He's found the judicial infinity stone. Oh, my gosh. This guy's out of control. He's the, is this, he's a lawyer. He didn't know there was going to be a discovery process. What, Bob, are you, are you this dumb? Are you and your team this stupid that you brought a bunch of Russians into U.S. courts? You didn't understand that they were entitled to a lawyer. You didn't understand they were entitled to a speedy trial and you didn't understand they were going to, they were going to ask for discovery. Oh, and Joe, now that they asked for discovery, my Mm -hmm. gosh, if they asked for discovery, 
We're going to give up all this information that the Russians could use against us. Then why did you bring it into court, you dope? Are you this stupid? Folks, please, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. I know it's not my site. I don't get any. Well, it, it, I host the, you know, the articles at my site, but the Law and Crime blog at my show notes. Please read it. This is not a some right leaning maniac who wrote it. It's a lawyer who, with some experience, who writes in very clear and concise language, like, "Hey, this is insane. This is crazy. Of course, there was going to be discovery." Yeah. The reason Bob Mueller indicted these guys is because he's a showman now. He's turned into a one-man clown show. Running an out-of-control, ridiculous... It's not. You know what? It's not a one-man. It's a multiple-man and woman clown show. I take that back. Yeah. Andy Weissman, Jeannie Ree, Aaron Sebley. This is ridiculous. They're surprised. I mean, it's amazing. Bob Mueller, lawyer, blindsided by the fact that a lawyer was going to actually ask for the evidence in the case. So stupid. So dumb. All right. Um, I got one more thing to get to on this. There's another piece of uh, pretty explosive information. So um, let me get to that. Hey, uh, Father's Day is coming up, folks. You looking for a gift for dad? That special dude in your life? Listen, everybody knows it's nearly impossible to shop. For dudes. Dudes. That'll Rob Schneider think, dude. Do you remember the the 20 different ways to say dude? Well, here's one way to say dude. Dude, I have absolutely no idea what to get my dad for Father's Day. I have solved that problem for you right here. Dude. (laughs) That's the second way to say dude. Joe's astonished I found the way to solve the problem after my initial dude. Good job, Joe. You added to the read there. They're going to love this, man. Great. Dad isn't going to tell you what to get him. We know that. Truth is, he doesn't even know what he wants. We know people are the worst. The guys are terrible with gifts. I don't, who wants another tie or something? I don't. This Father's Day, give Dad a gift he is guaranteed to love with man crates. Yeah, baby, yeah. Hand-picked and packaged gifts for every type of dad. Like the knife-making kit for the hands-on dad. Or the whiskey appreciation crate for fathers who like the finer things. Thanks to everyone who's picked this stuff up. I people send me their receipts from it on email. That's great. They do all the time. Cool. My personal favorite is the, you know how they send bouquets of flowers for Mother's Day? Not man crates. They have the salami bouquet. And believe me, it is tasty. It's a DB. Stands for Dan Bongino. Talking about himself in the third person favorite. Salami bouquet is a gold mine. Most gifts ship in a sealed wooden crate with a crowbar. So he gets the prize man crate open in front of everyone. They're not kidding. It really does come with a crowbar. It's not a joke. You will you will rip that thing open. When is the last time you gave your dad a gift he needed a crowbar to open? And like I said, my uh, father-in-law used the actual wooden crate it comes in. He used it for a birdhouse. <laughs> That's you pretty can cool. keep it. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty cool. With Man Crates, you're giving dad more than a gift. You're giving him a gift experience unlike any other. Plus, every Man Crate Comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, which is nice, but I'm telling you, you won't need it. It, it. Really, they'll guarantee your satisfaction. You will never, you will be happy. I, You will not need it at all. Get your special Father's Day discount today at mancrates.com slash Dan. That's crates, C-R-A-T-E-S, mancrates.com slash Dan, mancrates.com slash Dan. This is a limited time offer only for Father's Day. So go today. That's mancrates.com slash Dan mancrates.com slash Dan. We love them. Okay. Um, interesting piece by Margot Cleveland, uh, who's doing some great work over at The Federalist, about 
the Papadopoulos thing. And I just want to bring this up quickly because I got some other stories I want to get to on taxes and food stamps and um, an interesting piece. I have my own website that Matt Palumbo put together. But Joe, there's a big controversy uh, kind of behind the scenes. And I know this because I'm not going to say some of the author's names, but there's a small group of people. Can I give you some behind the scenes, folks? Let me do this for you. This is actually interesting. There's a, a small group of people um, with... Uh, how do you say this without sounding like a jerk or pretentious? I, I, I'm just going to say it. with followings, whether it's podcasts or or uh, radio shows or they do writing and they're followed by a lot of people. Popular, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, popular. They have they have eyeballs, they have eyeballs and ears, and have some influence. Who have been working, um, not coordinating, but working together. We exchange information sometimes. There's some emails that go back and forth about developments in this Spygate case. Um, I was talking a while ago with someone, I'm not going to say his name, but one of the controversies that's been developing and a lot of us are trying to figure out, there's two big ones right now. Uh, the first one I'll mention is I'm not going to talk about today, but I just want to make sure you understand is what was the role of Mifsud? I've insisted from the, from the get go that, excuse me, that Joseph Mifsud, who gave the information to Papadopoulos about the emails Joseph Mifsud's role, if he was in fact connected to Western intelligence, blows this case wide open because then it's an obvious case of entrapment. In other words, if the guy who started this whole thing on April 26th, this Maltese professor who has very suspicious connections to Western intelligence, Western meaning friendlies, not so much the Russians, if this guy was instructed by someone in a Western intelligence sphere to give information to Papadopoulos about Hillary's emails, which a spy, Halper, say, would pull out later. We then push the information in. It's like pushing information into Joe. Like, Joe, Joe, you're going to rob a bank? You're going to rob a bank? You're going to rob a bank? Then someone interviews Joe a few days later, pretending to be a friendly, and Joe mentions something about robbing a bank, and they arrest Joe for robbing a bank. He's like, well, it was my idea. This guy, Bobby Bag of Donuts, told me about it the other day. Who was Mifsud? That's question number one that everybody's trying to get to. Trust me when I tell you, everybody's trying to get to the bottom of this right now. If Mifsud turns out to be a Western intelligence asset and not a Russian, as the Mueller indictment claims, an associate of the Russians, doesn't specifically say in the Mueller indictment he's a Russian agent. I think that's deliberate, Joe. But if Mifsud turns out to have been a plant by a friendly at our instruction or kind of tacitly done. In other words, they did it and they shh, don't, don't say anything, but we know about it. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you are going to have some bombshells. But the second big question that everybody's trying to get to the bottom of is where the hell did the term emails come from? Pardon my language on that one. Where the heck did the term emails come from? It's a family friendly show. Forgive me, folks. I'm sorry. What do I mean by that? Mifsud, who talks to Papadopoulos in April, this Maltese professor, Papadopoulos seems to remember, based on some of his testimony, a conversation about emails, and his wife, Simona Mangiante, insists that Papadopoulos thought Mifsud was talking about Hillary's emails, those missing 30,000 emails we all know about. That's keep that in the back of your head. That's important. Hillary's emails. Keep in Hillary's emails. That's how Papadopoulos remembers it. Here's the problem, folks. Mifsud, while talking to some of his friends who've gone public, insists he never mentioned these Hillary emails at all. Matter of fact, he insists he never mentioned emails at all. 
The guy Papadopoulos talks to, Downer, so remember, Mifsud's the push, Joe, pushes information into the Trump team to pull it out later to make them look guilty. Everybody right. tracking me? Mm-hmm. The push is insisting, Mifsud, I never said anything about emails. The poll, who was Downer later on and then Halper as a spy, they're both insisting that Papadopoulos didn't mention emails either. Downer's like, no, 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 I met with Papadopoulos and Downer's the Australian diplomat who is alleged to have started this whole thing by telling the FBI through channels about Papadopoulos mentioning something about dirt on Hillary. Downer's now insisting that the word emails was never mentioned either. Folks, think about what I'm telling you here, right? Let me just give you an analogy to to sum this up for you because it'll make better sense. If I'm trying to entrap Joe, if I'm a dirty cop, and I'm trying to entrap Joe in a bank, a conspiracy to rob a bank. Joe has no interest in robbing a bank at all. I don't know Joe from Adam. But I, my friend doesn't like Joe. And I have law enforcement powers. I'm a cop or a federal agent. My friend says, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you nail Joe? All right, let's go get this guy. Let's nail him to the wall, right? I have a guy who meets Joe. Let's say Joe goes to the local watering hole like Moe's in The Simpsons on Thursday nights. Guy sits up next to a bar. After a few weeks, he befriends Joe. They're talking, they're chatting, have a few brewskis. By week three, guy goes, hey, um, dude, you know, listen, I, I, I met you. Yeah, I got this. I got a friend in a bank, and they say after hours, there's some money laying around. There's not going to be any violence involved, but you know, if I can get the code after hours, and we can go in and steal the money. Would you be interested? The Joe's horrified at first. Oh my god! But say next week, you know, Joe's like, listen, it's not really my thing, but you know, tell me more. And then by week four, I'm not saying Joe's completely without guilt in this, but by week five, he's like, you know what? That's not my thing. I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a decent guy. I'm not going to rob the bank, right? Joe goes back to Moe's. He never sees the guy again. Three, four months later, another guy sits down next to Joe Most Completely different guy. Hey, buddy. Joe befriends him. A couple weeks go by. By week three, he goes, hey, man, um, you ever think about robbing a bank? Joe goes, you know, I didn't, but I got this connection to this guy. <gasps> the guy's got a wire. Next thing you know, police, don't move. Police. Joe's on the ground. Joe's like, what did I do? What did I do? D- d- you, you conspiracy to rob a bank. Joe's in his head thinking, I wasn't going to rob a bank. I just mentioned that I heard from this guy about a bank. Folks, I 100% believe that's what happened with Papadopoulos. Mifsud was was potentially the push, and Halper and, and Downer were the pulls on this. We're pulling the information out. But what's the problem? The problem in the case, Joe, is what if in the bank robbery case, you find out after all of this that the guy never mentioned the word bank robbery. He was talking about you going to an ATM after hours. In other words, say you debrief the, the two, uh, the push and the mm-hmm. pull later on, the people working for you. They go, man, we got Joe. We locked him up for that bank robbery thing. And the guy's like, wait, what, what'd you do? We locked him up. Conspiracy to rob a bank. We got him in Moe's. Remember you yeah. told him about the bank robbery? What if the push in the beginning, the guy you meet first goes, I never mentioned bank robbery. I said I was going to go to the the Publix ATM after hours and get some money. All of a sudden, the cop's like, oh, uh, uh uh-oh, they panic. You never mentioned a bank robbery. How are we going to charge him with conspiracy to commit bank robbery? I don't know. You better think of something. So they go to the poll guy, the second guy Joe met in Moe's. Hey, man. Please, 
please tell me he mentioned a bank robbery. No, no, he didn't. Matter of fact, he said he was going to get money from an ATM. Oh, now we're really in trouble. Folks, that analogy should explain to you why the Papadopoulos case is giving the government such headaches right now. Nobody in the case recalls hearing the word emails except Papadopoulos. Now, you may say you just refuted your own point. Joe and Moe's admitted he heard about a bank robbery, right? Papadopoulos admitted he heard. Papadopoulos used the term, I heard about Mm -hmm. emails. He used the term emails. But I was talking to a guy the other day who's a prolific writer in this space. He has one theory. I have a different one. I'm pretty sure I'm right. What if Papadopoulos, who wasn't even interviewed, folks, until January. January. He meets, follow this timeline. He meets guy number one in Moe's, right? right? The pusher. Mifsud. April 26th of 2016. Papadopoulos isn't even interviewed about this, folks, until January 27th of 2017. It's almost a year later. Do you think Joe's going to remember the details of a conversation in Moe's with the pusher? I'm suggesting to you that the FBI agents in the case were already clued into the term emails. Listen for the emails, just like they'd be listening for Joe to say bank robbery, right? Mm. Did Joe say bank robbery? He said bank robbery. Get him for conspiracy to rob a bank. So you may say, Dan, why would Papadopoulos say that someone offered him emails if both the pusher and the puller never mentioned anything about emails? Folks, what was the biggest topic of conversation about the Hillary campaign during the entire campaign cycle of 2016? The emails. May I suggest to you that it's possible, just possible, that, you know, Mifsud may have mentioned emails. I I believe that, that in fact, there there may have, but is it possible if he didn't and he said something about dirt or information? Is it possible that Papadopoulos just misremembered the entire thing because it was a year later and he had been bathed in conversations through the media about Hillary's emails? So I'm going to offer you two distinct possibilities. Mifsud could have been, potentially could have been a Western intelligence asset and was in fact talking about a bank robbery in Moe's with Joe and was mentioning emails to Papadopoulos. Or... Maybe Mifsud was an intelligence asset or wasn't, but never mentioned anything about emails at all and screwed up the entire conversation in the beginning and Papadopoulos just misremembered the entire thing. The bottom line is everybody but Papadopoulos is denying the the word emails was used. Either way, this looks bad for the government. Why? Let me just wrap this up for you. Because if Mifsud was, in fact, a Western intelligence asset, was the pusher in Moe's, he was the pusher, pushing the information into Papadopoulos's head. Don't you think it would be in Mifsud's best interest to disappear and to disavow any knowledge of the term emails? Joe, where's Mifsud right now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I'm a, and right. Neither does anyone else, folks. Mifsud disappeared. He's gone. The FBI interviewed him right after Papadopoulos. Mifsud conveniently disappeared. Nobody's heard from him since. He's only 
now we know through friends said, oh, I had nothing to do with emails. The story doesn't work for Mueller's team either way. If Mifsud did mention emails and was, in fact, a Western intelligence asset, we have the biggest entrapment scheme in human history. If Mifsud didn't mention emails, then Mueller just prosecuted a guy, George Papadopoulos, on a charge that doesn't even exist because nothing but nothing about bank robbery was ever discussed right. in Moe's between guy one or guy two, the pusher or the puller. Either way, this is a loser. Now you see why Mifsud needs to disappear? Bye-bye, Joey. Go disappear now. Either way, this story looks super shady for the Mueller team. Either Mifsud was the pusher, or you've got no case against Papadopoulos at all. You like that? Yes, I do, Dan. Joe's giving me the thumbs up. Yeah. By the way, even if they did mention emails, Papadopoulos' wife, who's been given some interviews publicly, has suggested that Papadopoulos was talking about the Hillary missing emails. Why does that matter? Because that was already public information. The Democrats' case is centers around the DNC emails, which weren't public at the time Mifsud and Papadopoulos spoke. You, you get that? The Mueller case is that Mifsud understood that the Russians had hacked the DNC and had stolen DNC emails. That wasn't public when Mifsud met Papadopoulos in April. Nobody knew. That would be super shady. If someone approached Joe, hey, I've got these DNC emails in April, Joe would be like, what DNC emails? That wasn't in the news. Then, Joe, that guy probably does have inside information. But do you understand, folks, even if Mifsud did talk about the emails, Papadopoulos' wife, who you have to insist is, is talking for Papadopoulos, she's married to him, is insisting that that's not what the guy said, that he was talking about Hillary's emails. Which was in the pub? That was all public. What's your? Th- Do you understand any fork you take in this investigation? It all ends in you walking off a judicial cliff. There is this whole thing is a sham, total sham, complete scamorama. Oh boy! All right, I have a uh, really great article. Matt Palumbo, who writes for my debunk this portion of my website, has a really great piece. Does a lot of good work, but this one really caught my eye. He went back and to the well in an oldie but goodie. I had done some debunking of Robert Reich oh, yeah. a long time ago. He's a far left uh, liberal. I don't even want to call him an economist because he's not what he's talking about. But Reich had made this point about how California is this uh, you know model for economic success, how liberal policies work, and look at all these backward states like Texas and Kansas. In other words, if they can only be California. <laughs> so Matt masterfully debunks that in a very short but sweet piece. Uh, this is not a knock on the people who live in California. Don't take it personal. I, don't, I love California. I go to Beverly Hills all the time to meet with the – it's where my doctor is out there, guy who takes care of my shoulder, right? But your government sucks. Maybe we should put that on a shirt. Cal- Dear California, we love you, but your government sucks. That'd be a great one. I'm sure that would sell pretty well in California, actually. Matt does a masterful job of entirely debunking the myth that California is some model for economic success. For instance, Reich cites a, a statistic. So this is specifically for you Californians and others out there. That, well, they earn 11% more than the national average. Okay, he's right. Californians do earn 11% more than the national average. Wow, Joe, Joe's probably thinking to himself, so Dan, you just made righteous point. California's doing wonderful. 
double digit more, 11% more than the national average. Well, that comes with a slight caveat, buyer beware, folks. That buyer beware is, as Matt points out in the piece, which I'll put in the show notes, and it's on the debunk this also on my website at Bongino.com. Quoting Matt, what Reich excludes, Joe, is the fact that the average mortgage costs 44% more in California, while rents cost 37% more on average. Unless one wants to go homeless, the cost of living differences more than erase any nominal wage gains that Californians can boast. Folks, Far-left liberal zoning and regulations, which have restricted the housing supply in California, have made the cost of living exorbitant. Yes, you may earn 11% more, but your ability to actually buy stuff in California is significantly worse than the state's righteous bashing. Do you see how liberals always do this? This is what drives me wild about liberals like Reich. They never, ever tell you the truth. They massage the numbers, they cherry-pick statistics, but they don't give you the real on the ground meaning for what they're saying. Oh, they are 11% more. Yeah, but can you buy stuff? No, you can't buy stuff with it. Oh, okay. Thank you. Hey, Joe, I'm going <laughs> to offer you... It, uh, Joe and I are doing some negotiating. Joe, I'm going to offer you a $500,000 um, salary. Joe, yeah, oh, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Wow. That damn Bongino show pays great. Um, Here's the thing, though. You're going to pay me back a $450,000 fee for the privilege of hosting the show. All of a sudden... Now, I go on the yeah. air, right, Joe? And Joe's like, screw that deal, Dan. I love you, but you, you, I'm not we taking that. But I can go on the air, Joe. This is what they do, liberals, and say, Dan Bongino, the Dan Bongino show pays the most competitive wages in the entire podcast arena. Yeah, I'd be right. It's not a lie. I'm telling you the truth. But on the ground, when you actually put those figures in context, because context is what the real world is all about... When you put that figure in context, oh, but he also demands a $450,000 fee for that privilege. You're like, wait, wait, wait. So I'm not even making, what, $50,000 out of this deal after taxes? No, you're not. But I do still pay the most competitive wages. This is what liberals do. California in turn, 11% more. But they can't buy anything. Now, right, here's the thing that bothers me about liberals. Rice knows that. Rice knows that. He's not stupid. He's manipulative. Now, that's not it. And, and, and you may say, well, what does this have to do with anything? Well, yesterday's show, we covered Seattle and liberalism eating itself alive. We also covered New York, where a, a uh, you know, a white patriarchal uh, mayor in, in de Blasio, and I only use that term to knock critical theory and the left's obsession with identity politics. I don't care if the mayor's white. I don't yeah. care if he's green. The left does, though. That a liberal mayor in New York, de Blasio, that he is instituting a policy which has incentivized minority groups to basically say to each other for the first time, like, hey, if we're going to play this identity politics game, this is we're going to eat ourselves alive. Listen to yesterday's show. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's it's, uh, about school admissions, how Asian-Americans are being discriminated against. And now all of a sudden, Asian-Americans, a minority group, a lot of them are like, wait, wait, this identity politics stuff isn't quite working out for us. Because it's not. So this is why Matt heard my show and he's like, listen, we're going to talk about socialism, identity, politics and critical theory. Let's just let's let's strike it right to California where this stuff lives and breathes, Joe. I brought up also in uh, Seattle, of course, in Washington, where they had a repeal, a grotesque tax on businesses in Seattle. And I got a nice email from a listener, by the way, you know who you are, 
who said, Dan, he goes, one mistake. Let me correct you. And you know, when, when, I, when we screw something up, when he's like, listen, you said on yesterday's show that Amazon and Starbucks and these liberal companies complained about the tax, which they did. That wasn't wrong. But he's like, your one mistake was you didn't emphasize the backlash on the ground. He, it was a long email. He's like, Dan, you have no idea, even in liberal Seattle, how PO'd people were about this. He said people were signing petitions in the street, Joe. This is a liberal yeah. city against this head tax, $275 per employee. Businesses were expected to pay this tax, which would have probably put some businesses out of business or at least incentivize them to move. He said you have no idea on the ground how unpopular this was. You know what it reminded me of, Joe? What was the tax in Maryland oh, that Larry Hogan the got elected? Rain tax. The rain tax. Hmm. Maryland, a deep blue, if not the bluest state in the union, where the same thing happened. They instituted a rain tax, a tax on impervious right. surface on your property, concrete, mm-hmm. flat roofs. They were going to take, this is not a joke, folks. They take satellite pictures of your property and your house and they measure the impervious surface. You then get taxed on that because the rain and the runoff, according to their allegations, would not soak into the soil if you had a lot no of concrete. Joke. And you would, de- yeah, and the runoff would cause environmental problems and you should be taxed on it. Well, what's the problem with that? Folks, the bills for factories with big, large, flat roofs, some of them were 10, 20, these businesses went wild. The people went crazy. Wait, you're going to, let me get this straight. You're going to take a satellite picture of my house to tax me? Liberalism is a cancer. Cancer by definition eats the self. It is the metastasizing of your own tissue to kill you. Not the host. You are the host. It's your own tissue. Liberalism is a cancer. It eats itself. Once liberalism is hoisted on top of the back of liberals, they can't take it. California is an example of this, where liberalism lives and breathes daily, and it's eating itself alive. Here's some more California statistics in this piece, by the way. I strongly encourage you to check out at my website today, Bongino.com. Even though 43% of California's general fund budget is earmarked for K-14 through education, California students, this is not funny. I'm not laughing. This is just an ironic liberals eating themselves. California students underperform the national average on reading and math scores. The percentage of Californians attending a four year college hasn't changed in 50 years, despite the trend nationally being upward. During a time period when California's prison population declined 12%, spending on prison guards increased by $500 million. California only builds 44% of the housing it needs annually, costing the state $140 billion a year in economic output due to people who can't afford to live and work in California. But wages are 11% higher. Yeah, but you can't afford a house. Nutbags. Electricity prices in California rose five times faster than the national average between 2011 and 2017. Californians pay 60% higher than the national average for electricity. This is despite California having the highest output of hydroelectricity, which is the state's cheapest source of electricity. According to the American Society of Civil Engineers report card, California, Joe, clearly they have an A for infrastructure and stuff like that because it's California. No, no, they don't. No, sorry, Joe. D plus. D plus. 
Texas wasn't much better with a C minus, to be fair, but you'd expect them to have an F if you listen to Robert Reich, where Texas is some kind of, according to Reich, is some kind of a hellhole compared to California, which is the Mecca. Finally, and for all Reich said about environmental regulation, CO2 emissions rose in California from 2011 to 2015 while they fell in the rest of the country for the same period. What a goof. Read this piece. It is a beautiful job by Matt at Bongino.com. It'll be in today's show notes. Um, Strongly, strongly encourage you to read it. Um, I will also include some articles about federal revenue. Joe uh, is up. We've had record revenue through eight months in contrast to the naysayers in the government that government revenue is going to collapse after the tax cuts. Record revenue through eight months of $1.143 trillion. And the deficit is still $500 billion, proving again that the government will spend whatever you give them. Uh, one more thing. Food stamp usage has now dropped uh, to 40,083,954 people, the lowest since 2010. So a little good news, bad news. Bad news, the deficit's still high, regardless of the fact that we've had record government revenue. Good news, food stamp usage is dropping under the Donald Trump exploding economy, which is twofold excellent. One, we get people off uh, government rolls for government support, which is financed by taxpayers. Secondly, those people, most of them are off the food stamp rolls because they're going back to work and are now paying taxes rather than taking taxes out of the pot. So that's good news. All right. Thanks a lot, folks. I appreciate you listening today. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes. The subscriptions help us move up in the charts dramatically, which we've been. Uh, follow. Uh, I think the button says follow on iHeartRadio. Subscribe on iTunes. Also available on Spotify. Uh, and you can also ask Alexa to uh, play the skill and Google Play as well. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. See you tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.